0: Listen, Ink studs on CITR one hundred one point nine FM. My guest this week is Ryan Cecil Smith. Now Ryan uh is a I guess a member of the Close Caption Comics Collective, the group that I guess started out of Baltimore, but you guys have all spread across the world.
1: Uh yeah, that's right. I think I've traveled the farthest to Japan, but uh about Half of us stayed in Baltimore when we graduated from school in 2008, and then half uh, spread out Um, So across the world. We don't really do very much together these days. Uh, I don't know if we will again, honestly. (laughs) But it was very comforting at the time to have a group of like-minded friends who supported each other, you know? And who are fans of each other's work. And like nowadays, I think I still write closed caption comics on all the zines that I publish. Because it feels good to be a part of something. You know what I mean? We haven't, really much together. we haven't published one together in a while.
0: No, the book nine, I guess, was four years ago, three years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's over. I don't know. <laughs> we each other sometimes. And it's almost the festival. So we'll talk about that together.
0: Well, one of the interesting things is you guys, um, guys and ladies, I should say, have, uh, kind of, it's a very disparate group, like, there's no kind of cohesive closed-caption style. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, at the time when we
1: were making it, like, there's different, um, it's kind of a big group, I mean, there's like seven or eight, uh, members, and, um, you know like I, th- I think that everyone has actually felt in the group that like they're a little bit the odd person out like everyone has said they felt that um, in terms and I think that's just looking at it from the outside like feeling like stylistically or in terms of content you're a little different but um, it's kinda of beside the point because just doing it in the beginning wasn't about having the same style it was like about um, it was kinda of about like you know publishing, you know what I mean? Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it was kind of like being being the people around, being people who liked each other's work and who also had an impulse to, like, um, you know, had an impulse to, like, make zines and actually physically publish them and send them out or, you know, just a little different from, um, who had uh, who had a small impulse to, like, make something and put it out in the world, a little different from just doing it, like, just school assignments and stuff. Yeah. Um, so
0: yeah, the style is pretty different overall. Now you moved to Japan, if I remember right, in to, in two thousand eight, or was it? Yeah, that's right. Right
1: after right after we graduated from school.
0: And you've been there since. Yep, that's right. So this is your first time back in America. Um no, I've been back a couple times.
1: Okay. Uh, and actually, I was gonna be at the at the Brooklyn Festival last year and uh, had like problems at the airport. It was really terrible. Um, but I've been back. I was at SPX uh, last month. Oh, okay. I don't travel back to the U.S. very much, so it was really lucky that, like, um, it was just, like, the most convenient time for me to, like, take a vacation back home and then, like, be at a convention. Um, But uh, this was, like, you know, coming to New York this time was planned um, for, you know, to be at a comic convention.
0: Now, coming uh, back from Japan, um, I want to talk a bit about I mean, there's so much to go into with your work because it's very influenced by manga and I'm presuming by culture of being there. Um, but maybe we'll rewind a bit and kind of talk a little bit about your background in comics and okay. um, kind of your intention to getting into comics. Okay. <laughs> um, so, that wasn't a very good question. Um, tell me a little about the choice to go to art school and what kind of stuff you're making at that time like what kind of comics you're reading um well probably the
1: type of comics i was reading back then um are just well when i was in i mean when i was in high school like I got into alternative and uh, comics and stuff because I, you know, I, I kind of found, I kind of got back into like reading like Marvel stuff when I was like in ninth grade in high school, and it was like, but it, it's, um, you know, I kind of knew just as as one knows that it's not very interesting stuff, and I just wanted to find, you know, I, th- I think, uh, oh, you know, uh, Dustin Harbin, I used to. Um, I used to shop at Dustin Harbin's comic shop he works at, he worked at in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, I like, went into a shop and I was like, can you like, show me stuff that's like, like?" Uh, I didn't even know how to explain like what I was trying to get into. Like something that's like not, you know, like I would look at like superhero stuff and it wasn't that interesting. I mean, it is what it is. And then I would look for alternative stuff and people would show me like certain image comics. And it's like, that's not what I'm looking for either. You know, um, and, like, Dustin, like, helped show me stuff that was, like, you know, diverse and different, and um, at that time, you know, that was uh, really good stuff to consume. I mean, I remember I went into Dustin's shop, and he he's, like, he's a really good salesman, so he, he would tell me, like, all right, I'll, I'll tell you uh, five, I'll tell you five books that you've got to get, and you can see what you like, and, you know, uh, you can uh, go from there, figure out where you want to well, you know, what else do you want to do? And, and I, I remember the first books that Dustin Harbin told me to buy were Hey, Wait by Jason, which was amazing and, like, totally blew me away and changed my life a lot. That was really great. It was Hey, Wait by Jason, and he told me to read Cages by Dave McKean, uh, From Hell by uh, Alan Moore, and uh, I think it was, like, a Daniel Klaus book and uh, maybe a Paul Pope book also, and, um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I went to school kind of thinking that I could, um, I, I didn't know what I could, what I could do or be at that time, um, I think I, I started when I was in school in, like, the painting program, but I just, probably just from, like, not knowing what else to do, you know, and, uh, I eventually graduated with, uh, doing printmaking and stuff, and I didn't draw a whole lot of comics, uh, back in school because, um, You know, like, you know how comics are, like, it takes a long time to draw a page, Mm -hmm. and then you've only drawn, like, one page? You know, it's like to, like, make a comic book takes a long time compared to making, like, anything else. You know, which doesn't, like, it's not so, such a hot thing to do for a project, you know, when you're a student. You know, because you're, like, spending a lot of energy on, like, just one specific type of thing. So I didn't make a
0: lot of comics back then. I would more make, like, artist books or, or prints and stuff. Were silkscreen prints the the main format of doing print, um, or, or yeah, another? yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, basically, I did other stuff
0: too, but silkscreen was the main thing. What kind of images would you be doing uh, with silkscreen?
1: Um, kind okay. For me, you know, I got I got more into like making uh I I don't know if I can say what type of images for sure. I mean, probably kind of cartoony just cuz that's like how I kind of drew and how I you know, kind of how I kind of got into enjoying drawing, but I think for me more than like having imagery that was really attractive, I mean, like getting into artist books and like kind of book print design, doing that kind of thing is more maybe I don't know. I can't remember, man. It was a while ago. But, like, probably, like, that's probably what was a little more unifying for me is, like, thinking about how to do, like, print and book design more than, more common than, like, any type of imagery in a print. You know, like, I'd, like I would be into, like, oh, I figured out, like, how I can make a book in this way. And then it was, like, oh, I'll just make some content. You know, for me, the exciting thing is, like, figuring out, like, how to make a book this way,
0: you know, and do this kind of thing. And then I would, like, you know, choose some imagery to go with that. So when did manga come in as an interest for you? Because, I mean, it's so, like, ingrained in some of your work.
1: Well, honestly, I um, was uh, not into manga very much uh, until I moved to Japan. I mean, because um, um, it's kind of a little embarrassing to say, Robin, but I probably have to admit that, you know, when I, back when I was in college... I probably, maybe I looked askance at manga. You know, maybe I was like, "Manga, what's that stuff?" Girls read manga. Manga's mostly bad. For some stupid, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but I mean, I might think about like, "Oh, I don't know about manga. I, I just don't know." So I didn't, you know, I didn't, I just, I just didn't read it. I didn't know. And then when I moved to Japan, it was like, um, you know, I just got to see the whole world, you know, and I got to see tons and tons of stuff and discover what I liked, and what was good, you know? Uh, so, I mean, look, before before I went to Japan, the manga that I would say that I liked was, dude, I can't even remember, I don't know, I mean, I watched Sailor Moon when I was a kid, and, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Robin, what do you think? What What manga might I have been into when I was in high school? What was the cool
0: manga back then? Oh, God, I'm the worst person to ask.
1: <laughs> you know, but I would have known some stuff. Yeah. Like, I think I read, like,
0: Barefoot Gen, you
1: know? Uh, but um, when I moved there, you know, like, I would go to a, book show, a bookstore, and I would look through the stuff, and, like, certain stuff would, like, catch me and arrest me. And, um, you know, and at the same time, that was, like, I would just go in and figure out stuff that I thought was really awesome-looking, even before I was able to read anything but that's that's you know that's how it works i mean it's it's great you know you can really tell when something is special and there's a lot of stuff even now that I miss because I can't read Japanese very well, so there's still a lot of stuff that I cannot you know that i won't I won't know to catch but there is stuff that I can just catch on a visual level on a design level that I'm like this is amazing like um the first the first mangaka that I really connected to was umezu Kazuo who um His uh, horror comics are kind of like the inspiration for my series called Two Eyes of the Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, I I mean, you know, one thing is he is an incredible artist. I mean, I think he's an amazing mind and an amazing drawer. And uh, I think he's incredible. And that's a thing. You know, so that's apparent, I think, immediately. But then another thing is uh, in the last, like, ten years, I think, you know, it's been the last ten years, he's had some very good... um, like, republishing, uh, like, his books have been, like, repackaged and republished recently, in these very beautiful book designs. So, I mean, you know, I would see it on the shelf, and it'd be this really weird product, you know, um, like, what's this? And then I'd open it up, and it was just beautiful. So, I would, you know, discover stuff that way. Um, And, um, you know, uh, some stuff, you know, I would read, and I would read it in Japanese, so there's some stuff like Cobra by uh Teresawa Buichi and that thing like I don't I haven't really read it in English and I'm sure some people out there have um but it's totally cool to read I mean you know it's totally cool to read just just visually you know yeah. it, it's so it's so obviously good so that uh yeah I read I would read um Umezu and uh, Teresawa, Buichi and, um, um, yeah, I mean, other, other I would just find all, all kinds of, especially, especially older stuff, like, kind of the vintage stuff, would really, would, uh, be really eye-catching, um, and, um, so I mean that's just what I that's just what I get over there. You know, I can't I can't read. I mean I can't. Of course I can. But I mean ba- basically I don't really read a lot of American comics when I'm over there. So what I read is this stuff and um yeah, it's great. It's my brain. I enjoy it.
0: What is it about the work that you want to process it in a way of um taking it directly into your own work?
1: Oh, well, you know what? I felt uh when I would find this amazing work that I was like, "Oh my gosh, like this is awesome, you know?" And it's like I felt like um, someone who's in my position that, you know, that I was in in the U.S., like, wouldn't look for this kind of work. You know, like, I wouldn't look for good manga. You know, I, I I wouldn't know that it was a good idea to look for it. And even if I were, I wouldn't know where to start. So when I was in Japan and I would find this stuff that was so cool, you know, so good and so special and different from any work that I'd seen before, I felt like, I felt like, man, I've got to, like... You know, uh, I can make this part of my work because it infects my brain, and I can tell people about this amazing. For for me, it's kind of like it's a little bit evangelizing. You know, it's like uh, part of it is like it gets into my brain. It's very exciting, and I love kind of retelling the same kind of story, or something like that. And, and also, it's like um, somebody who's into like alternative comics. I want to make Two Eyes the Beautiful because I can, like, reach out to people who read alternative comics, who, like, maybe subscribe to the closed caption blog, you know, and, and I'd be like, hey, I just made this new book. It's based on this manga by Umezu Kazuo. You've got to read it because, like, this guy's work is, like, crazy cool. So I made a story kind of about it, and I kind of hope that it'll, you know, kind of turn people on to this kind of work. Um, so, uh, I mean, but it's also, you know, I... I just want to tell cool stories, you know, and I, like, you know, um, like, it's kind of like sometimes, when, like, you know, you watch a movie and you, like, imagine, like, oh, what if it had ended this way? Like, when you're kind of watching the movie or you kind of look back and you're like, oh, you know, uh, how cool if it had gone this way or what if, what if this, it had been more different. So I would, I always kind of do that when I watch a movie or something like that. So I'd kind of do that for these these comics, which I which I would only kind of partially understand when I read them first, and then kind of iron the kinks out later. Um, so it, it you know it'd be kind of a way for getting kind of a weird version of a story, and then another way of like uh, you know kind of outreach and telling people about cool work.
0: Um, the SF uh, supplemental file two mm-hmm. A B and C um, is probably the work that I think of when I think of you, and I know a lot of folks got really jazzed by it. Um, And I'm wondering about the approach with that book. Like, obviously, you know, I'm not a good manga manga reader. Uh, I haven't read any Captain Harlock stuff. So from what I understand, and you can please correct me if I'm wrong, is um, you've kind of redrawn the comic but told your story. Uh, no, no actually, um, I'll tell you what, um,
1: you know, by the way, that was a really cool book to work on, um, but I feel a little bad, because uh, I, fa- I found out later that that artist, Matsumoto leji is very litigious, uh, he is not into the kind of thing that I did, uh, and oh, really- no. yeah, so like, I can't really advertise it, and you know, I-, I basically, when I found out about that, I was like, oh, I will stop advertising this book, and it- it's... It's basically sold out now, and I don't know how I could ever reprint it because, you know, he does not like this kind of thing. What in that case? What I did is um, it was just a combination of a few impulses that I wanted to, to kind of get out of my system. I mean, one is I wanted to do a uh, do a full book in pencil, and because I never I never worked that way, and uh, you know, another is I kind of wanted to um, uh, to do. It was it was just kind of like a. Um, do a story in pencil. I wanted to do some kind of weird risograph printing, you know, kind of see some kind of interesting risograph print that I could do, just kind of try some new things. And then other thing is it was kind of like a, um, you know, like drawing from a master, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Matsumoto Leiji, um, his uh, way of doing layouts and panel composition and stuff is uh, very unlike most things. I mean, he... He seldom uses a square, you know, right angles, you know, it's always, things are looping around, um, very, very tight, you know, he'll have, like, lots of, like, very, very, very uh, tight, narrow panels stacked on top of each other, or, like, left and right, Um, and when I first looked at his stuff, I thought, this guy's a sloppy mess, this isn't good, look at how, look at how tight these panels are. But man, they sure do work, and it didn't take long for me to look at his books and be like, "This is so cool, so good." So I, I wanted to, you know, like, kind of do that for myself and just like, you know, move my hand over over that kind of over that kind of way of drawing and stuff. So, you know, what it started as is it was just like oh, I'm just gonna, you know, I, I I was thinking that I would just uh, draw a big a big chunk of his story, like. 30 pages maybe, and like do, um, and then I, I thought that I would just kind of like, for me, it's about drawing and about the, um, about the storytelling, and the actual words were not that important exactly. I mean, for me, just the, the imagery, because that's how I read them, you know, as I was, I would read them just as visual storytelling, um, but then um, I had a friend help me to translate what I was reading, and the words were so good. They were so good. I mean, it was it was the the story was amazing, and um, and we kept reading and kind of figured out like, oh, actually, you know, there's like a good 120 page chunk starting around here that is really really good and, and a really satisfying read. So if I could extend this project to uh, do 120 pages, uh, then that would be so awesome. Like for for a Western reader who's never seen this work, um, it would be so. Uh, so good and uh, you know and then they could have my you know risograph printing and drawing package Mm. uh, which I think is a lot more satisfying than reading um, a scanlation online that's just a thing you know it's a cool risograph print project that I'm gonna make oh the other thing is um, I translated it with a friend of mine and uh, I think our translation is really good so uh, another thing about reading scanlations sometimes they're really bad and they're really hard to go through they're really hard to slog through I kind of lose my patience, but we made a really good translation of the story, so it was like, you know, fun to write, and fun to read, and fun to draw, and you know, the the, the thing is, like, the story is so, um, you know, he's got such a strong perspective, and there's such a good arc in that section, like, he's kind of like a kind of a moral lesson in the story that's very strong. You know, I think the... How does it end? You know, in the end, you know, she it's about this uh this space pirate queen telling a little boy, like, you know, in space, you know, if you don't uh if you know, if you let if you have one moment of hesitation, that's the moment you'll die. And you know, you can tell like the that, that his message for the readers, you know, for in his time is like you know, you've got to take things seriously. That's the, what the reader is kind of meant to take away. You know, like, wow, you know, you've got to be serious about what you're doing. You know, in the way that, you know, books impart lessons, you know, it's about, um, you know, taking what you do seriously and stuff. But for me, it's so strong and so severe. You know, like, I don't exactly take it as, as, as I don't take it as his audience member thinking it's like, oh, yeah, he, he, I don't read this, this story and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's right. I have to take everything I do really seriously. I know, you know, I, I read his lesson and it's really good, but I'm also thinking like, Man, this is like really, really tough and really severe. You know, it's it's good though, you know. It, it, and you know, it's it's kind of true, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of take I kind of take that from it, and I think it's an exciting perspective to hear. So it was very exciting to uh, share that perspective, you know, to translate it and give it to other people. Because you don't you know you don't read books like that. You don't read you don't read stories like that. Uh, I think in my time in my culture.
0: Now, how did you um, see as? including this in your bigger storyline that you're doing?
1: Uh, well, you know, in the S.F.S.F. series, you know, S.F. is the series which I draw and, um, and write, and S.F.S.F. are the S.F. supplementary files, kind of just extras on the side. So, you know, it's an extra. It's on the side. You know, uh, Matsumoto Leiji is a big inspiration for the work. And, um, you know, the, and actually the, um, the, the story in the, in this thing that I, that I translated, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that could be in the world of SF. Yeah. You know, it could be, it, it, it would fit. It's not important that it does, uh, uh, you know, but so I, you know, to me, it doesn't exactly fit into the story. It's just, a it, it adds a uh, perspective to, um, it adds perspective to, uh, where I'm coming from, to the world that i live in in the world that i want a reader to live in a little bit mm-hmm. so uh... that's where it fits
0: it's a compliment complimentary uh, additive yeah yeah complementary additives yeah <laughs> oh. i'm back talking to ryan cecil smith um about his series sf as well as two eyes of the beautiful and more um thank you for joining me ryan um now the book three of sf which we haven't actually talked specifically about sf that much yet but that's going to be out you're in brooklyn this weekend at the comic arts brooklyn is that what it's called
1: Yes, the Comic Arts Brooklyn Festival, the CAB Festival.
0: There we go. Uh, and you're going to have copies there? Yes, of the new book. Excited. Uh have you been to the Brooklyn show before? Uh no, I have not. It's my first time. It's uh it's a it's a good show. I'm uh I'm jealous. I wish I could go this year. Have you been? I've been twice. Awesome. Yeah, I was there last year and then 2 years before that. Uh-huh. So, maybe next year. Yeah, you apparently. should come. Um, now SF. It's funny. I'm reading. I've I read through it all over the last couple of days, and one of the things the feeling I get is the story seems to be rapidly getting bigger and bigger and bigger.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Uh,
0: d do, yeah. do you feel like that? Is this like you kind of started out with something, and it's just like, I guess I just see lots of potential for this to go in a lot of ways.
1: Huh. Well, I don't. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't think of it that way, but that's probably because I kind of know the direction I want it to go in from the start, you know, and, like, you know, I, uh, you know, part of me for the reason to make those supplementary files uh, is, uh, you know, because I can, like, take it in other directions, you know, so I can kind of leave doors open on the side to go follow something, and then I can come back to the main storyline. So... Uh, I hope that it, um, yeah, I mean, if it it feels that way, uh, that's cool, but I have a certain direction that I intend to go, but those supplementary
0: files let me go anywhere I want. Yeah. Is that kind of the fun of it, just leaving it? Yes. So, put it away? Do we, are you going to be doing any more supplementary files soon, or? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The supplementary files are also fun
1: because I can play with formatting a bit, um, like I want to... You know sF one and sF two and sF three are all like kind of the same uh, format and you know uh, grid and they're all uh, they're all black and white, you know yeah. but I can change all those rules in any way that I want with the supplementary files, which is fun for me.
0: In the, yeah, because in the um, in the what we talked earlier about the the RISO-Graft one, you really go in a lot of directions, especially with color. Yeah, and and, uh, and I'm actually pretty curious about that choice of playing with color. To um, folks that don't know, risograph's kind of like photocopying, but it's not. It's like silkscreen photocopying. Really layman speaking. Uh,
1: yeah, well, you know, uh, I think that I think of risograph as a lower quality uh, photocopy uh, because you can't get uh, such good shades of gray as a regular photocopy. Uh, but the the good thing about it is i think it, it really suits itself well to like it really it 's really suited well to graphic uh to you know graphic art printing you know like it has it gives you really good crisp black and whites if it if it can 't get all the shades of gray you know so when I use screen tone right you know the screen tone reproduces great with a risograph and um you know when i do you know uh the the supplementary file number two you know uh, is all drawn in pencil but it's um you know it 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 makes it nice and black you know it it keeps it from being too scratchy
2: yeah
1: um but the you know so it's it's good for doing like you know uh solid contrast black and whites but but also risograph it's very easy to switch out the color um basically like the color the way it prints i think i think alec longstreth in one of his old comics uh, about how he does, how he made his early uh, his early stuff is he referred to something called paper offset printing, which I think is the same thing as a risograph. I mean, basically it makes a little paper offset sheet inside the machine, and then um, it and then it prints based off that paper offset. Yeah. Uh, so it's like really inexpensive for mass printing, um, but it's more expensive for a, it doesn't make sense to make a single copy with a risograph. Risograph is made for making a ton because it makes the paper offset inside and then it prints based off of that. Um, so I was able to print with like 30, not 30, like I think I had like 20 colors at my disposal and it was, you know, cool to just try using them all.
0: What's it, a studio you're doing it out of?
1: Uh, no, a, there's a commercial print shop that does, uh, you know, they, they'll use risographs for posters or um, or postcards, or business cards, or zines, and uh, you know because they're a shop, they have a bunch of machines with a bunch of colors. Um, so uh, when I do black and white risograph printing, I just do it myself. But for color stuff, I can use them.
0: Okay, because they're really quite beautifully the way the print job they did on them. It's quite amazing. Yeah, they're kind they're of...
1: they're a solid shop. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, you know, I, also this, this, uh, because they're, because they're a shop, right? They, uh, they have like the newest and most expensive risographs. Like if you go onto the risograph website, you know, it's like whatever's at the bottom of the list, you know, the, like the deluxe machine. They have a bunch of those and, you know,
0: they, they, they print all day. So they're very good at what they do. Nice. Most, uh, I tried talking to a photocopy guy because at my work we have to purchase things and stuff and ask about Rizzo Grouse he's like we just throw them all out <laughs> oh yeah yeah so I it's... mean this this place I mean I uh, maybe they
1: sell them back or maybe they rent them you yeah. know maybe they do a thing like that but you know but yeah they invest up front in these in these big machines and they use them very well you said the guy at your work he they throw out risographs when they're like, done. Or?
0: The it was a photocopy salesman, and uh, we bought a photocopier through him. And uh, I was asking about if he ever comes across any risographs. Oh, he just throws them out when you get some. Huh. Yeah, he just uh, when you replace someone's photocopier, he just throws out the old risograph.
1: Well, that makes I mean you know the thing is like I, I think for most people a risograph doesn't make sense because it's it's expensive and it's kind of a. Uh, technically demanding for just single prints you know it's made to do mass prints so um yeah if you're most people would never need something like that uh but uh it's it's perfect for what we do you know it's perfect for comics it's perfect for publishing but yeah most people I can understand why they would not I mean people don't really have a use for that
0: Now, the third issue of uh, SF is being published uh, by uh, Koyama Press, and that'll give it a lot more exposure, a lot more people will be seeing it. Um, Should folks be concerned of missing much story if they don't have the first two issues? Uh, Well, my
1: goal with each book is um, is to make it so that the book is its own complete experience. Um so you know in a way you know part of that is you know having like um a certain kind of introduction or uh and kind of exposition in the beginning so that um I think in SF3 like the way I kind of the way I kind of handle it is um I I just kind of like to me, I, I think of what's in, the, what's in the book itself is the story of SF number three, and, and the way for me that it works is I just kind of include all of what's happened before as, like, the exposition. You know, like, this is a story about a little boy whose parents were killed by space pirates in an attack on Earth, and he's joined this uh, group of galactic police, and this is where it starts. To me, that's kind of how I frame it in my mind, um and how for me that it works so i te- you know that's to say that i you know i don't i don't want to make something where someone has to buy other stuff in order to read it um that's not so great but you know i like all the stuff that i make and i think you know i think it's great i think that it's it, i think that number one and two are great but i i make each i try to make each one so that you don't have to buy the others it should feel satisfying for what it is
0: uh this one it's longer. Uh it is. Did you kinda when you were starting the story, did you know it would be published by Koyama or was it a nice offset that came with putting this bigger book together?
1: Uh when I started when I started S F well, when I started S F number three, I knew that Koyama was gonna publish it. Yeah. So I knew that I could make it longer. Um I uh I think I first talked to Annie Koyama um, before SF Number 2 was finished, and I had told her, by the the way, I I think this is a fair enough uh, thing for me to have said, I guess. I don't know, maybe it was dumb, but at the time I told her, I was like, oh, you know, I really want to work with you, um, but I really want to do one more issue and self-publish it. So that the self-published issues can be a thing, you know, and not jump right from like my one introduction issue to like someone else um, publishing it for me. So from from number two, I knew that number three was going to be a bigger uh, a bigger um, an offset printed book. So it was it was planned from a little bit before that I would that I would publish it that way. Which maybe influenced like the way that I made SF number two. Also, you know, I could end at a certain point for SF number two to kind of set up SF number three.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you're also reprinting number one.
1: Uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, because I didn't make that many of number one, so I've reprinted it. Um, actually, Ryan Sands, who uh, who does uh, the Frontier, uh, the Frontier series. Mm-hmm. and uh, Ryan Sands publishes a bunch of stuff. He does Michael some books for Michael DeForge. He reprinted SF number 1 for me, which felt cool because he's in San Francisco. So it was kind of cool to put that on the cover for acronym reasons. <laughs> and um he might help me reprint stuff in the future maybe. Maybe that'd be great. I don't know.
0: I'll talk to him. He's he's good at what he does. Yeah, totally. He's a hard-working guy. Yeah. now you travel a lot? It seems like I was looking through your blog and one of the things you sent me was the sketch journal. Um yes, and I'm so wondering about that experience of uh kind of cuz your your comics are very complete and very uh flushed out illustrations. Um and the sketches are, are are sketches and I'm curious about that process for yourself um of kind of functioning in these different ways.
1: Um hmm. well um as far as uh, sketching goes, and relating that to other stuff, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I think uh, most artists uh, do sketchbooking, right? So, I think when I start, uh, when I when I start any any comic, like most cartoonists, you know, I start in a sketchbook and I work up from there. So, I mean, the the sketchbook stuff is just. Um, it's just really good, healthy drawing. And, you know, when I make a when I make a sketchbook journal, I am trying to think, it's challenging for me because uh, I, I do kind of want to make it sort of narrative or lend itself to a narrative. Uh, lend it to something that can be read in a certain kind of order or something. Um, you know, and not just like, for example, like, you know, if I just draw a pretty picture, which is cool for me, I mean, I, I kind of want to make it a little better than that and, and have it have it, you know, work in some way for, uh... not to tell a story, but just to have some kind of narrative element, or maybe that just means the way that the drawings fit together or something. I kind of want to make it work that way in a book, um, which is kind of hard. Um... But, um... Yeah, the, the sketchbook journals, I mean, it's just trying to, trying to share some kind of, um... some kind of a story through drawing.
0: Mm-hmm. Do do you trying to, like, capture the moment, Trying to, like, keep experiences in that way or kind of interpret experiences through it, or...? Um, I don't know. I'm usually not a big uh,
1: capture-the-moment, dude. Probably not a big uh, moment I'm trying to capture. I can't think of in a lot of that stuff, but... Um... You know, it's a way for me to... It's a way for me to remember places that I've been, and, uh... And I guess the way I see it, it's a way for me to remember places that I've been. And if I can do that in a good way, and then it works for myself, you know, and then if I can make a drawing that kind of captures the place and the experience, you know, that works for me, then it should, you know, then and hopefully it'll work in a good way for other people, and that's success. That's that's a successful way to do it. So um, yeah, it's more about uh, kind of processing and remembering the experience and sharing the experience in a way that's like. Not just a picture of the thing, uh, even though that, that is what it is. But you know, hopefully, uh, in a way that kind of works with other drawings, so that someone can, you know, process it like something that happened, or, or it's a place that they can imagine having been to.
0: Now, you, um, you're kind of we were talking earlier about uh, manga and like really getting into it when you're in Japan. And I'm wondering about when you're traveling and uh, going yeah. somewhere like, say, Hong Kong or India. Are you looking at all of the comics there and interested in the art and stuff that you're seeing there?
1: Um, I mean, I'm interested in the art that's going on. Um, I picked up some good comics in India when I was there, but it's, uh, you know, it's just one thing that I'm looking for when I'm traveling, and it doesn't have to be a priority. I mean, Hong Kong, uh, uh, boy, I bet, I bet there's uh, a Hong Kong scene to know, but I don't know it. And uh, I—that wasn't like you know my main deal. So I, I, I guess uh, it's not a big deal. The comics themselves—it's something I look for, but it's—it's it's not like I'm trying to
0: look for the whole comic scene when I'm there. Not at yeah. all. You're not going to fill your suitcase with. Uh... Yeah. No, I mean, you
1: know, if, I, if I find great stuff, I will. I mean, there's there's these. Uh, you know, I'm sure your listeners, a lot of your listeners have seen, like, there's these kind of, like, religious comics in India that are, like, stories of myths and stuff. Mm-hmm. They look a little bit like American comics and that they're, like, similar size and they're in color, but they're uh, just, uh, you know, they're, like, Indian myths. They're really bizarre and cool. So I got a bunch of those. Um, and in Hong Kong, I didn't get, uh, I don't know if I brought any comics back from Hong Kong. Those Indian
0: comics are cool, though. You should check those out. Have you seen those, Robin? I think I've got some that I picked up at a flea market in town. You know, they're they're kind of
1: in know, they're interesting, but they're not actually to me they're not that great because they're they're more about illustrating a very uh, you know word heavy myth. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's kind of like if you just kind of like probably like reading comics by Baptists about religion. You know, it's like the comics are more about telling you an important story or message, and the comics aren't that interesting
2: you know
1: but um, but it's cool to see that kind of thing it's cool to see religious comics done uh, you know done so thoroughly
0: now SF um, your main your main thing um, how I'm curious about pl- plotting out the story and plotting out the characters um, and kind of developing them yeah um, tell me a little bit about that construction aspect. To the series because like it is a lot more complex than the other works that you've done
1: oh yeah well um you know i think for every character uh when i'm uh you know when i'm planning every character they you know there's certain type of arcs that i have in mind for them and uh you know kind of uh kind of personalities or kind of what i want them to contribute to the whole the, to the the story and to the other characters and uh I try to just uh and, and also the way they intersect is really important you know so when I think about you know uh you know kind of what I'm what all I'm fitting together you know I want them to kind of fit together in a cool way and I try to just uh hint a little bit at those things but if I don't explain everything about them I think it should be fine
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so um you know, that's all That's all planned, you know, in the very beginning. And then the kind of story in the end, uh, or, yeah, the story in the end and on the way to the end of the story, um, and the end of the story is planned in advance, but the way that it gets there, you know, it could happen in different ways, and, and uh, you know, I feel pretty solid about the way things are started from the beginning. I feel solid about the way I have started the characters and the way... That I have in mind to end them. So the way that I get there, you know, kind of like I mentioned, you know, I have these supplementary files. Like I can do whatever I want with. Yeah. Um, so the way I get there is, uh, you know, I could speed it up or slow it down depending. So um, I don't know how that'll go. I mean, exactly. But the <laughs> ending, the, the ending and the beginning are, are kind of thing that I enjoy planning out. See, I enjoy planning them out, you know, and then I and
0: then uh, and then you know carrying it through is. Uh, you know that's a different pleasure do you pull from other types of sci-fi works at all when putting this together
1: i mean yeah totally uh
0: i mean you know i i kind of say that that
1: there's a there's a, a matsumoto leiji book called queen millennia uh, senden no jo um which uh which is kind of the the primary inspiration for this story in sf but i mean um You know, I really, uh, I think there's some, like, Star Wars things, especially in SF number two, um, and, uh, some Star, I think there's Star Trek things, I think, um, uh, you know, Robert Heinlein is an author who I really like, you know, the guy who did, uh, battleship troopers, Mm -hmm. or starship troopers, and, um, uh, you know that's a kind of you know there, there's like certain sci-fi stories that that um, you know I like all kinds of sci-fi I love I love sci-fi that's like what you know when I was a kid my dad would um, my dad gave me like Isaac Asimov stuff and all these uh, sci-fi anthologies and stuff and I love reading that but then there's like certain stories that kind of lend that, that kind of lend themselves to the kind of world I'm trying to build. You know, uh, and a certain kind of sci-fi reading that I like to look for that informs this kind of, this kind of world, and and that stuff, like, um, you know, like uh, when I say that, I mean, you know, not like uh, cyberpunk, you know, like that's not exactly on point, but stuff like, um, oh, uh, you know, what's really great is uh, Ian Brown. Uh, you know, do you know that author? Wait, am I, do I have that right?
0: The name's familiar, but I'm terrible yeah, I, at books. Well, I'm super embarrassed. If, like, <laughs> wrong on your
1: interview, but uh, he just uh, Ian uh, oh, Ian Banks. Ian. Oh, okay. Ian, sorry, yeah, Ian, I'm sorry, Ian Banks, and his uh series the of of books um, I think they're called like the Culture series, and you know it's it's these stories about kind of um, infinite large worlds and and uh you know large, interstellar uh travel. And cultures and you know kind of the implications of living in that kind of world and that kind of future you know star, star trek is uh is uh, don't they say in Star Trek I mean it's like there's like no uh, they have those uh transporters and they have uh, they can make food on the ship and all these you know luxuries, but the uh, the galaxy still has uh conflict and stuff Th- those kind of large uh, uh, those kind of very large worlds are are kind of the inspiration for SF, so I'll kind of look at that kind of stuff when I'm when I'm writing, and 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 that but that comes from you know being based on Matsumoto Leiji's uh, universe, mm-hmm. which you know that that's like kind of the, the thing that I'm that I'm kind of trying to. Uh, um, that's the kind of world that I'm trying to make, really, and then I I use all this other cool stuff as kind of an as kind of inspiration, but Mats, Matsumoto Leiji, you know, his. He he wrote his stuff, you know, in the '60s and '70s and '80s. I think, you know, the way I always think about his stuff is like he was he was making these kind of like big, grand, uh, kind of optimistic stuff at a time when Japan was becoming bigger and grander, and uh, expanding. And uh, I think that his work mirrors that kind of feeling, you know, like of a. Um, uh, there's a, a you know a big world and there's a lot to accomplish and a lot of work that we have to do on the way to accomplishing that, and um, that kind of feeling is a really cool feeling. You know it feels better than the uh, um, you know there's you know that, that cyberpunk stuff can kind of get you down. It's about a crowded world and a kind of maybe a little uh, grimier world, a little cynical. You know, oh yeah, Matsutake is not cynical. No way. So this is, yeah, it's like, you know, that kind of world is like not cynical and, um, but it's not, it's not simple. Um, so that's, that kind of sci-fi is very inspiring to me as a, as a kind of story that I think is worth, uh, fleshing out. And the kind of imagination that's worth fleshing out. Nice. Well, you know, like, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I was gonna say, you know, like I could, you know, I could think about, you know, it's good, it's good, good, good to make stories about all these different types of, uh you know, ways of imagining the world we live in now and our future, you know, like uh, the, uh, d- the difficulties and the uh, global problems we face. And there's just different ways of illustrating how we imagine that. And, and I just like the way Matsumoto Leiji has done that. It's super cool and exciting, and uh, I think it's a cool way to kind of pass on to other people through the stories that I make. But it's just you know it's just one series, so when SF is over, I don't feel a need to do
0: that again. But it it feels good to do it. You like the direction it's taking you in right now. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you for taking the time to join me today, Ryan. Thanks, man. Uh Reminder, folks, I've been talking to Ryan Cecil Smith, and his series is, as we mentioned a bunch of times, SF, as well as Two Eyes of the Beautiful. Uh, SF number three is coming out from the Koyama Press um and it will be available this weekend at the comic arts brooklyn thank you so much ryan yeah thanks dude uh see you next time
2: I'll